Mark chapter 3, verse 27, just one verse. The words of Jesus, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, frontline fathers. God bless you. Please be seated. Amen. Fathers were formed to serve their families on the front lines of life. Now I know that if you try to mess with the mother's children, you're messing with someone, the Bible said, it is like a bear is robbed of her cubs. I get that, but this is Father's Day, so let me preach to the men, all right? But I thank God for the men, the fathers who live and serve on the front lines to protect their families. I read a story that made my paternal protective instinct kind of come out instantly and connect. Last November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving, in the city of Rainier, Washington, Joey Archer and his wife Beth and their two young children were fast asleep at home the day before Thanksgiving. Suddenly at 6.30 in the morning, they were awakened suddenly by a stranger ringing their doorbell. First, Joey, the dad, didn't recognize the intention of this uninvited guest. So he told him through the door that he would get dressed and come out and speak to him, stand out there by the gate. So while he did that, his wife Beth looked at their security cameras, and this family happened to have a lot of them, like 20, I think. He realized that someone had gotten in her car, slipped it into gear, and rolled it back down the driveway. The man broke the glass out of the car window with the shovel. Video from their surveillance cameras showed that this man had gone into their barn that they had at their house. Then he got a shovel out of the bed of Joey's truck and busted out the window of the truck and evidently busted out the window of the car. He climbed in the truck a while. Joey called the police, kept an eye on the intruder with the cameras, and he waited for the officers to arrive. Before six minutes had elapsed and they could get there, the same guy took the shovel that he had gotten out of the back of Joey's truck and started busting out the window that was in their front door. That's when Joey's paternal instincts kicked into overdrive. He was determined to prevent that man from getting in his house. He reached and grabbed the shovel that was protruding through the door, wrested it out of that intruder's hands, struck him with it twice, went out the door. Video from the outside cameras show this intruder looking disoriented, dazed, cowering in fear as Joey wielded the shovel over his head till the police got there. They arrested him, charged him with residential burglary, criminal trespassing, vehicle prowl. And after the incident, Joey described it as every dad's nightmare. Beth said that the six minutes that it took for the police to get there her husband had no choice 
but to defend their family, including their terrified, crying children. Joey said that he had to fight back and disable the person who was threatening his family. Later, he wrote on his Facebook page that it was a harrowing ordeal that left their family traumatized. He said, Beth and I are still riding the roller coaster of emotions that this sort of experience puts you through. He said that after this experience, he would purchase firearms and upgrade their security system to make sure he could protect his family. When you hear the story of Joey and you read about the whole background, you can kind of get the sense that he is not the kind of guy that would go looking for trouble. He wasn't really locked and loaded waiting for danger. But when danger came, when trouble found him, he was a frontline father who defended his family. We live in a world that is filled with a lot of wonderful, wonderful people. And there are also some very evil people in our world. The men and women in our church family who serve in law enforcement and in certain places of our society see the worst of people every day in their lives. There are scores of intruders who are trying to gain entrance into your home and to destroy your family. Those forces are all not human beings physically trying to enter your home. But I think you know that there's a lot of spirits, there's a lot of stuff that would like to try to get past frontline fathers, bind him, get into homes, and destroy families. You can be naive if you want, or you can be a realist, and you can be on guard. You can be like Joey Archer and think it will never happen to you. Or you can be a prepared Joey Archer that says, Not here, not them. You'll get through me to try to get to my family. I am a frontline father. I believe that God designed men to be fathers, to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually equipped to stand guard over and protect their families. Frontline fathers are willing and able to stand between the threat and the threatened and do something about it. Frontline fathers are the strong men of the house. Now I believe it's important to give context to every text of Scripture that you read. So let me kind of delve into this story that Jesus told just a little bit to to make sure that the biblical setting is accurate and I'm practicing good biblical interpretation so my hermeneutics are sound. Jesus had cast the devils out of a man and a group of scribes, religious lawyers, accused him of casting out the devil by the power of Beelzebub. They were saying, you are casting out the devil by the power of the devil. And Jesus responded to them in Mark 3.27, our text. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then 
he will spoil his house. You cannot spoil a strong man's house until you first subdue the strong man. The story reminds me of the story of Joey Archer defending his family. He stood between the intruder and the people that he loved and he was the strong man of his house. And in the context of Mark 3, Jesus, in order to cast out the devil, he wanted all those religious experts to know that there's no way I can go in the devil's house and destroy it, take his goods, cast out devils, until I first deal with the devil himself. He's the strong man of his house. And in order for me to subdue spirits, I first have to have mastery over the master of the house. A strong man's house will certainly be spoiled if the strong man is bound. That's the context of the story that Jesus told. But I want you to get the picture of what Jesus described. He described something that they understood. He was talking about the spirit world, about Satan's house, but he described something that they all saw and understood. That if you're going to go into the home that is the property of a man, you first got to deal with the man of the house. Jesus saw a word picture that I want to apply to spiritual leadership and physical protection that fathers should provide for their families. The strong man of the house that Jesus described, he's the owner of that house. It belongs to him. Jesus called it his house. He's the head of his home. He's a provider for sure. But he is also a protector. And if an intruder attempts to steal that strong man's possession or molest his family, he first has to confront and conquer the strong man of the house. That's what Jesus said. Unless he binds that strong man, ties him up, renders him powerless, he will never get past him to get to his family. So today I want to honor the role of the strong man. And I want to make sure that every one of us who are called of God to lead our families are not bound by anything that would cause us to be powerless against the attacks that come against the homes of the people of God. When fathers are not strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, and their homes are quickly spoiled, destroyed. The strong man of the house is the first line of defense. He is a formidable foe to any intruder. The, the reason I like this story of Joey Archer is I don't think by his nature, and I've read the articles and, you know, article and there's videos that support all of that. He's just kind of a regular dad not expecting this. He doesn't even have a gun. He's not really a tough guy. I don't think he knows Taekwondo. But, you know, he is still a dad. And when called upon, something rises up in this unexpected hero, right? That says, I may not be much, 
but I'm all they've got. And when you come against them, you must first deal with me. So I'm hoping that I'm inciting something in every man, in every father, that you would understand how God designed you and where he designed you to stand. He designed you to stand spiritually between every intruder that would come against your family and against your home, that you would be the first line of defense, that you would be the strong man of your house. Jesus calls him a strong man, not a weak man. He's faithfully standing guard over his family I've just decided to call him a frontline father. He is not in the background. He's not like King Saul was, hiding under a tree somewhere. He is out in the front line of the battle, and he is fearless in protecting his family. Now this picture, this word picture, I love what Jesus said and what Jesus did. That he bound Satan and he spoiled his house. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. But through the years, I visualized the story that Jesus told. And I thought about the role of the strong man in the home. This father that is the strong man of the house. who stands in this place of protection. And that God is positioned a father. Between the family that he loves and the intruder that he hates. You know, Jesus is the gentle shepherd. He describes himself as that. And pastors are under shepherds. People sometimes get a funny look on their face. If I say, I'm a shepherd, I protect sheep and I kill wolves. If you don't, you're not a good shepherd. And I know in our nonviolent culture, I recognize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. There may be a time when you have to physically protect your family, but today the greatest threats are not physical, although we live in a crazy violent world but the greatest threats are spiritual amen and i'm preaching today to equip and encourage our men to rise up and be strong in the lord and in the power of his might to put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil amen so if you're going to go in that strong man's house don't expect him to roll over and play dead. He may be an unassuming dad. He may not be a dad who's equipped in, in ways like law enforcement men may be equipped. But he is still there and he has a role to play. I think that this strong man in the biblical context, I think he's been to the gym working out or out in the field working. He's not going to play dead. He's not going to roll over you're not going to get past him unless it is over his dead body. He has courage. He has faith. He loves his family. He's conditioned himself to be the strong man of the house. He is spiritually armed and ready. He is locked and loaded. And if you're going to get to them, you're going to first have to deal with him. 
He's on the front line. And he's fighting for what belongs to him. He believes he has something worth fighting for. In the traditional family, he's got a marriage he will fight for. He's got a family. He's got children he will fight for. Amen. And I feel like I need to say this now, that we need to be as vigilant against the more subtle intruders than the overt intruders. Joey Archer was easy to know when a guy's bashing in your front door that you need to do something. But what if it comes through the cable, through the airways? What if it comes through instruction in a school? What if it comes through friendships? What if it comes through someone who's taking advantage of your children? That's the greater threat of our day. This strong man, he's worked his whole life to build a family and a home. His family's counting on him. He loves them. And there's something in him that says, I have a role to play and I will do my best to make sure that you will not get to them until you first deal with me. I, I wish today I was visualizing this message as I was wrapping it up and I text my friend, Brother Rick Gonzalez. He's a former cop. He's, he's built. He's you, like... He's a massive man, and he's like a middle linebacker, bodybuilder, cop, the guy you just have nightmares about. And I preached a camp with him a few years ago and got acquainted with him. He's just a beast of a man, and he's preaching in Houston, Texas today. He told me when I texted him, Happy Father's Day. And I just, I wish I looked like that on the outside. Because some of you are saying, Dude, go to his house, it's, it's easy. But you're looking at dads like Joey Archers. You just don't know who you're dealing with until you deal with them, right? Because they're not the weak man of the house. They're the strong man of the house. And they've got more in the spirit than they do in the flesh. And they've got some of that too probably, right? I'm encouraged by some stories of frontline fathers in the Bible. They're examples to modern men that we should stand our ground and protect our families. And I want, to, I want to show you four of them briefly today that were frontline fathers. Abraham was on the front lines of faith. Even before their child was born, Abraham and Sarah, Sarai, made a life-altering decision. Abraham left the bright lights of Ur the Chaldees to follow the will of God into an unknown future. Abraham's father, Terah, was an idol worshiper on the other side of the Euphrates. But Abraham did not feel like he was forced to follow in his father's footsteps. You may have not had a godly father. You may have a magnetic pull towards something that is not good. But Abraham, he's a frontline father because he walks away from a past he walks away from a heritage that is not godly and he walks out into faith in God in obedience to the will of God. The Lord said that Abraham is a kind of man who will command or guide his children after him. New Living Translation says guide, but most translations use the word command, that he's going to lead his family. 
He's going to tell them the way to live. He's going to teach them that we should walk by faith. Men like Father Abraham are on the front lines leading their family to walk in faith and obedience to the will of God. They don't care which way the world is walking. They're going to walk with God. They're not looking back over their shoulder at the past they left. They're looking forward to a building that is made by God. A city that does not have foundations. They're focused on the future. They're focused on salvation. They're the kind of men like Abraham. They're on the front lines of faith. Not mindful of the country they left. I, I love Father Abraham was leading his family. Like Abraham, we should say, follow me as I follow Christ. I love Job because he was on the front lines of prayer. Job was the man who loved God and he hated evil. Job had seven sons and three daughters. I guess he didn't realize that they were cheaper by the dozen. He just had ten. Job's kids had a rich father. And they enjoyed a very good life. The Bible said that they went from house to house to all the sons' houses, feasting and the sisters with them. But Job was a frontline father in prayer. He was not naive about the potential trouble that kids could get into, Job 1 and 5. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. His kids enjoyed a very good life, but it looks to me like Job every day when they were out doing whatever they were doing, Job was not naive about the potential danger and trouble and temptations of rich kids or poor kids. And so Job continually got up early, sanctified his kids, offered burnt offerings for them, prayed for them every day. Amen? I met some parents who were pretty naive. They thought their kids were perfect or near about perfect. They did not realize the danger that was lurking around the corner. But Job was on the front lines of prayer saying, You never know what my kids are going to get into and I need to pray for them today. I'm calling on fathers to stand between the threat and the threat and say, I will stand on the front lines of prayer. I will pray without ceasing for my children. Frontline fathers like Joshua was on the front lines of commitment. Joshua was a successor to Moses. Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua led them in to the land of promise. At a time when people were making poor choices, turning to idols, Joshua took a stand in his commitment to God, a frontline father who made a personal choice he also made a choice for his family. He told them, Fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity, put away your gods. Don't serve the gods your father served. Referring back to Terah, Abraham's descendants, right? But, you know, in all the gods that you served in Egypt, serve the Lord. And then Joshua, who is a leader of an entire nation, stands up, 
between the threat and the threatened, Joshua 24, 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He's telling them you've got to pick. You can serve those gods or those gods. Go ahead, but you've got to make a decision. You can't be ambivalent. You can't say you're going to serve everything. But Joshua said, I just want to tell you this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what the contemporary culture is doing. It doesn't matter what the vote says. It doesn't matter what the polls say. It doesn't matter who's going that way. We've made up our mind to go this way. As for me and my house, I'm standing between that and Tim. I'm a frontline father. Amen. Now, now you cannot choose for others, but you can choose for yourself and your family. You cannot force your family to serve God, but you can lead them to serve Him by the way you serve Him. The idea that you should leave the choice of serving God to your children is foolish. And it is unbiblical. It is like saying, the house is on fire, but if you want to stay, it's okay. There's no choice in that matter. If you're a father or you're a mother, you're going to get your family out of the burning house. And to all my precious brothers and sisters today, That's how serious it is. We're pulling them out of the flame. There is a hell to shun, a hell to heaven to gain. That's what it is all about. And the Bible is very clear in the great commandment, there's one Lord. You should love him with all your heart. You should teach your children diligently. You should talk about God in all of life, getting up in the morning. You should not leave it to them. You should train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. And you fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Amen. It was Joshua who said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Abraham on the front lines of faith. Job on the front lines of prayer. Joshua on the front lines of commitment. And I don't have time. Time would fail me to talk about all the heroes in the Bible, but David, among many things, on the front line of worship. Not a perfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart. And we all learn from Brother J.H. Osborne that David was a multifaceted man who could kill you quickly, then write a song about it, and play the accompanying music. Don't try to label him as a warrior only or a worshiper only. 
He was a warrior and he was a worshiper. Amen. And all the implications of what those extremes might represent. Amen. Now David valued the things of God and he never lost his awe, sense of awe for the presence of God. One thing he wrote, have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When David finally successfully brought the ark of God You know that symbol of the presence of God? When he brought the ark of God back to Jerusalem, the Bible said that David worshipped God with abandon. Amen. He brought the ark of God and they brought it into the city with gladness. They went six paces, sacrificed. Six paces, sacrificed. 2 Samuel 6.14 And David, amen, Dance before the Lord with all his might. And he had a lot of might. And David was girded with the linen ephod. He didn't have on royal robes. He had on a common garment to his wife, Michael. That looked like nakedness to him because it wasn't splendor. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord. Was shouting and with the sound of Of a trumpet. The Bible calls David's wife Saul's daughter. Doesn't say David's wife. Michael, Saul's daughter, was standing up in a window, little place of privilege that she had. And she saw David, her husband, leaping. How embarrassing. And dancing before the Lord. And she despised. Her warrior worshiper husband in her heart. David was all pumped, man. His morale was high. He gets home. He is, he's got the ark of God. He has just had the best church service in history. He gets back home and his wife says, Oh, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his service. As one of the veins fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. What an idiot you made of yourself, David. Kings don't act like that. Successful people don't act like that. Smart people don't dance like that. People with positions of power don't leap like that. She despised him in her heart. So now, let me ask you wives. What do you say when your husband comes home? From work, church, men's prayer. Need a lot more men at men's prayer. Back around the family after spending personal, devotional time with God. Let me just give you a little piece of advice. Don't shame him for being a strong man. Don't belittle him for taking time with God. You need him to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not weak in the spirit and strong in the flesh. 
You need to support his spiritual steps to be the leader of your home. Don't make him feel guilty because he spent time with God and you feel like it was neglect of you. That is the most valuable time he can spend. Now, I'm not making an excuse for men that are asleep at the wheel that are not leading their families. I'm talking to the Michaels that might kind of hold their husband back, afraid that they might be embarrassed by the spiritual fervor of a husband. Believe me, you need your man to be spiritual. You need the head of your home to be strong to resist the temptations that come to men in our world. You don't want him carnal. You don't want him weak. You don't want him worldly. You ought to say, no, baby, go to prayer. You need more. I'm behind you all the way. Here's a Bible. Why don't you read it more? You need him because he was designed to be there. Now, I, I understand our culture, but honestly, I don't care about what our culture says about gender roles. I care what the Bible says about gender roles because God got it right. It has worked for thousands of years, and our culture is falling apart because we have cast aside the Word of God for human false reasoning. I am against macho men who lead out of arrogance and egotism. I believe men should serve their families, love their wives as Christ loved the church. But it is time for men to buck up, get up, and stand up and be the strong men. And every wife and every child ought to be the greatest cheerleaders. You should be the fans and the stands for your husband. Come on, get with it. Okay, calm down. Don't push your man out of the way. Don't push him out of the front lines. Don't try to stand in front of him. That would be foolish as well. And I believe, I thank God for spiritual women, praying women, worshiping women. Some churches would be completely dead if they were counting on the men. Thank God for praying women. <clears throat> Amen. If men are weak, home is vulnerable. If women and children rebel, get out in front of that father, now they're vulnerable to the front line of attack that was designed for the head of that home, the father. And I think every single mom understands you do the very best you can but you wish to God you had a man in front standing with you and for you. Amen. Praise God. David would not be intimidated by his cynical spouse. He said, hey, hey, let me just tell you something, Michael. I didn't do that for you in the window. I did that for God. He chose me before your father chose me. And I will play before the Lord. And I will be more vile than this. 
You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Wait till you see me next time we have church. I don't know why, but Michael had no child till the day of her death. She was barren and bitter. So men, let's talk about worship. Men are not smarter than women, but men do process things differently in general. And I, I think I am a man, and I've worked with men for decades, and men can be as bold as a lion on a ball field and as timid as a lamb in a worship service. No wonder Paul had to write to women about modesty and men about worship. That would make a good sermon for another day. 1 Timothy 2 and 8. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. He's saying, men, you need to deal with your anger issues. You need to deal with your doubt issues, questioning everything. And you need to be demonstrative in your worship. Quit being so stoic, Paul said. Didn't he know men pretty well? Frontline fathers have learned to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might and to lift up holy hands and to deal with their anger and doubt. So men, don't spend time analyzing worship or worshiping your intellect. You can worship with your intellect. You don't have to check your brain at the door when you follow Jesus. Amen? But you've got to watch the arrogancy and pride and the reticence toward worship that comes with so many men. I think it is awesome. Not so much today because it's Father's Day and you're being good. But I think it's so awesome at Atlanta West when men lead the charge to the altar for worship. Stepping out of your seat, coming down front. Lead your family to the altar. Hey, is, our, is he trying to tell us something right now? Yes, I'm trying to tell you something right now. Men need to be on the front lines of worship, not on the back row. Don't you understand that Satan is trying to put men on the sidelines and God is trying to put men on the front lines, leading their families in every way? Would you please stand right now and would you lift up holy hands, everyone, and would you worship the Lord with all of your heart? Hallelujah. Why, why would I preach this way for men? Because Jesus said that, that Satan's real goal is not to get the strong man. It's to get his house. That's why I want to equip you, myself and all of us, to stand where God has placed us. I'm not preaching what has become popular in our culture lately about toxic masculinity. I'm not trying to create that kind of a, a weird, you know, mentality in our men. 
But if you read about fathers today, there's a lot of stuff, right? Fathers are portrayed in culture, movies, media. It's morally weak, testosterone-driven, clueless, disconnected, generally asleep at the wheel. That's how men are often depicted in our culture. And men are partly to blame because there's a lot of men in our world who are morally weak, testosterone-driven, clueless, disconnected, and asleep at the wheel. But we, men, and women too, we have the moral fortitude to change the narrative because God designed you, men, to be a front-line father. You might be standing behind the door with an AR-15, a gun on every hip, armed in the flesh, and laying down in the spirit. Like, what just happened? What just happened? I thought I was ready. I thought I was protecting my home. Wrong enemy. Worse enemy. Walked right over you. So thank God for men who are awake. And have gotten off the sidelines. And are standing in the front lines of their family.